As a thankful recipient of many, many skincare products over the years, I've learned to discern what is naturally actually activating my skin to rebalance and recalibrate on its own. That's what your skin is meant to be doing, and it keeps getting disrupted by all these choices that we make. So, when the founder and creator of Herbal Face Food reached out to me, I was all ears. I didn't know why at first. It turns out that Herbal Face Food is the most potent antioxidant skincare line on the market today, period. The raw plant ingredients in each of their products are never processed, never manipulated with synthetics or emulsifiers. These anti-aging botanicals are combined with the most precious plant concentrates, and they have changed my skin. Here's how. I'm going to talk about two of the products, the Herbal Face Food Serums and the Cream. The serums contain powerful phytoenzymes and antioxidants. These are activated and infused into your tissues. They hydrate and increase the resiliency of your skin, and they feel like they're plumping up your face. I use Serum 1 daily. I use Serum 2 when I'm tired and I need extra firming for my skin. And I use the X, which is also known as the Cure, for a small patch of rosacea that flares up every now and again, which you cannot see because of these products. When you feed your skin with herbal face food, you will feel real live ingredients at work. An activating flush, an invigorating tingle, some warmth, all of these are evidence of your skin healing at the cellular level and years of damage reversing. The cream is the most potent moisturizer I've ever tried, and I've tried them all. I live in the high desert. This cream contains 102 of the world's most powerful anti-aging botanicals and is also the world's first and only edible SPF <laughs> with a protection rating of SPF 50+. Plus. And this is accomplished 100% by plant power. And you can expect intense hydration, soothing for your tired skin. You can expect to see inflammation calmed and rebuilding of elasticity so your complexion looks and feels more smooth, and more radiant. Herbal face food is not plant-based. It's plant-powered. It has the highest rating on the ORAC anti-aging scale. ORAC means oxygen radical absorbance capacity. I never knew what that meant before. Highest, over 30 million on that scale. By contrast, vitamin C in skincare rates under 100,000. Herbal face food is using all post-consumer recycled materials and packaging. They use glass and aluminum, which is super easy to recycle as well. The products and packaging are 99% free of plastics. They contain no ingredients that involve the destruction or harm of any plant, animal, or marine life. These are 100% plants only, these products. These active concentrates are coming from the seeds, the fruits, the leaves, or the flowers of the plants only. These products have been a complete revolution for me. I know that you will love the way your skin looks and feels after using it even for just a day or two. And the best part is that Herbal Face Food has offered us, you, my community, a code to receive 20% off forever, ever. The code is capital E-L-E-N-A 20. Once again, that's my name in all caps, ELENA2020. The site is herbalfacefood.com. The code is all caps ELENA20. It's not just your first purchase, it's any purchase. You will love these products, and I am so grateful, Herbal Face Food, for the change that you have made in my life. Thank you. Welcome to the Practice You podcast. My name is Elena Brower. Together, we'll explore and enjoy content and conversations around mastering transitions. In our relations, our wellness, our careers, our families, and especially in our missions and visions. You are invited to learn and love and listen with me. Welcome to Practice You. Welcome back to the podcast. I have with me a pandemic friend. Do you have a pandemic friend? This is one of my favorite pandemic friends. I have a few that I've made, but this one shines. 
His name is Owen Headley. He is a trainer. He's a newly certified 200-hour registered yoga teacher. He's an outspoken social activist. He's a happily married father of four. And he's also on the lecture circuit, and he speaks about his battles with depression, anxiety. He's recently been working on helping black men recognize and address their depression and anxiety, which I think cannot be a story that cannot be overtold. We need so much more of this in our world. And he's also, fascinatingly, the fitness instructor of Instagram. He has over 140,000 followers at this recording, and he gives workouts almost every day. And if you want to go look at him right now while you listen to us, you will put into your little search field up there, O, letter O, his last name, Headley, H-E-A-D-L-E-Y, Fitness, O Headley Fitness. And you will be so pleased to see the earnest nature of this gentle, giant soul. I love you so much, Owen, and welcome to the podcast. That that was uh, very humbling. Thank you very much, my dear friend. Um, <laughs> of course. When, when I was listening to you talk, I actually uh, had to chuckle. Um, I actually, even though they feel like four, I actually have two children. <laughs> um, Why? How come it says father of four on this thing that I'm reading? That's so I, 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 I might, you know, I don't know. But you know what? It is like four anyway, because we're a family of four. But um, <laughs> right. thank you so much. That's probably what you were thinking. Thank you so much for for having me. I, I'm, uh, mm. I'm humbled. And what a way to start a a discussion with such beautiful words and I mean I can't say enough about this this friendship that we we've forged during these crazy times and you know it's funny because in in times that are so dark and and such despair to to form a beautiful friendship like this gives me hope that there is going to be a better tomorrow so we will get there it's just going to take some time I think that's true I would love to. Um, I would love to begin. I don't like to keep you for too long, but I would love to begin with your story that you are. You you wrote to me specifically and said you're willing to talk about this uh, journey that you went through with depression and anxiety. I would love to hear your story, and tell us anything you think our listener would need to understand in order to a know who you are. B really realize the the sensation of your intention and see maybe even be inspired to move in a similar direction absolutely and and yes I, i'm very willing um to discuss my personal battles with anxiety and depression and i feel it's necessary to to do that so when i am trying to uh, teach and other, educate others they they know that it's coming from a place that's personal um, it's a struggle every day. Every day I say is day one. And the, the very first thing that we have to do as people to uh, address these issues is to acknowledge that they're actually happening. Um, it can no longer be taboo because there are a lot of people who are suffering in silence, if you will. And the more people that speak out um, about what they're going through, uh, we have a uh, it's a, a correlation of being able to speak out, diagnose it, and most importantly, treat it, whether that be through uh, the medicinal route that some people go through. A lot of people go through spiritual healing. A lot of people go uh, through um, essential oil healing. And I'm a fan of all three of them. Um, it, my my belief is that what's ever going to make that person get to the right track was good. So as far as it goes with me, um, I was suffering from from an illness that uh, was very. Um, I won't. I won't use the word life threatening. I'd say the word more like eye opening to me. And um, there were some treatments that came with with that. And during the treatment, I really started to feel just withdrawn. You know, it was it was just strange because I'm a very outgoing person. Um, I found myself not returning phone calls being so lazy as to not even returning a text message. And my pattern became either the doctor in home or work in home, 
when I felt um, strong enough to work. And I became withdrawn from, from people. Um, I was just, I was just down. I, I was in a funk and I really didn't know what was wrong with me. And in all honesty, I just correlated the way I was feeling with what I was dealing with on the medical end of it and just thought I was feeling sorry for myself. And in some ways I was being selfish because I, I felt that if it was me feeling sorry for myself, that I have every right to do that. And that's just the absolute wrong thing to do when, when you're dealing with those type of struggles. So one day, uh, Elena, I knew when I was going to leave this planet, it, it was not even a, an afterthought anymore. So what I did uh, after work, and, it, and I, it's funny to, to, to even go before like that day, like the, uh, the day before I was very, you know, I, it was different. Like when I had decided that that was going to happen, um, I was in a better mood, believe it or not, if you will. And the day of, you know, I said goodbye to people. It, it wasn't, you know, the regular, like when you know you're not going to see someone again, the hug and the cries and stuff, it was just regular goodbyes. Like it was a regular work day and I was fine. So when I got out of work, I drove to the local liquor store and I bought a big bottle of Captain Morgan Spice Rum. Drove back to my house and the medication that I was taking for my treatments, I decided that I was going to take that medicine, all of it, and wash it down with this um, bottle of Captain Morgan Spice Rum that I had just purchased. And it was going to happen. And it it's very, very, very eye-opening to me as to how, without even knowing it, people can have perfect timing. So I'm sitting in my, my spare bedroom, and I have the lights off, and I'm sitting there, and I have my cup, and I'm ready to go. And as I said earlier on, I was ignoring phone calls and ignoring text messages. Then my phone went off, and it was very strange. I don't know what possessed me to look at my phone at, at that exact moment, but I did. And the text message said, hey, haven't talked to you in a long while. You know, give me a call. Been trying to call. Just, you know, give me, shoot me a note or give me a call. And let me know you're okay. And it was from my mom. Oh. And then I got another text message. And the text message that said, hey, listen, I know that you and I aren't seeing each other anymore. And for whatever your reasons are that you don't want me in your life, I understand but I just want you to know, and it was these three words that changed my life, Elena. I just want you to know you are loved. And that was oh from gosh. the woman who was now my wife and mother of my two children. Mm. And without knowing it, my mother and my wife, two of the, the most important people, the most important women, right? Not even just women, people in general in my life saved my life without even knowing it. So that night wow. was a very, very tough night. I, I reminisced about a lot of things. I reminisce about friends that I've had in laws, people that have, you know, family members that have that have, you know, long left this earth. I laughed, I cried, I did a lot more crying than laughing. And then I looked up and it was daytime. Remember the lights were off, so the 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 right. the room was was illuminated by the sun and it was the next day. And I was still alive. And it was at that point that I decided that life is worth living. If not for yourself, think about the people you would be leaving behind. Those people that say those three words to you all the time, you are loved. And I changed my life. And I, I started to rethink and refocus on what I could do to get out of this rut that I was in. So the very first thing I did was I went to the barbershop and got a haircut because I hadn't done that in a long time and I looked kind of scruffy. And then I got into a car and, and this is something I'm never a fan of doing, you know, just because of the way that I was raised. You don't ever show up at someone's house uninvited. I showed up at my now wife's house uninvited. I apologized to her for excommunicating her out of my life and we've been together ever since. And now you're talking about maybe 10 years. And married for seven, together for about 10. And wow. I told her this story. How old are your babies? My oldest daughter is five and my youngest is 19 months. 
So I started late in the game. I'm 44. I started a little late in the game. But um, what I had decided was if someone like me, who I feel I have a very strong, bold, outgoing personality, could get to a point where the life that God gave him wasn't worth it anymore, and I could somehow dig my way out of that hole, one, I want to try to help people do that as well. And two, I'm certain that I'm not the only person that, that has been through that. And I decided that I needed to go to a doctor. I was diagnosed with uh, clinical depression and anxiety. I was given a lot of things that, um, you know, pamphlets and all types of things to do, therapy, which I've done and, and continue to do. And I just decided that I was going to just be okay. And that leads into what it is that I've decided to dedicate most of my life to. And that's yoga and fitness, because when I was going through these treatments, I couldn't lift. I, I was very uh, weak to lift weights and my doctor had recommended yoga. Now, being a manly man, you know, with that type of foolish mentality, I was like, well, you know, yoga is the stereotypical, you know, you're a tall, skinny, blonde woman, which is so far from the truth that it's lost, that I was like, it's just not me. But I decided to give it a try. And when I walked in there and I saw this like mosaic of people, big and small, black and white, men and women, it wasn't even the postures that that opened me up. It, it, it was just the presence of it and just the feeling, the, the, the sense of accomplishment that I did something that I've never done before with a group of people I don't even know. So before that day, I had decided I was going to take my life. The only reason I was still living was because of yoga. So in some ways, Elena, yoga saved my life as well. And I decided that I was going to dedicate myself to helping people deal with their challenges from a um, mental illness perspective by giving free workouts, learning yoga along the way with the people on Instagram. And that's when I created Oheadly Fitness. And what I wanted the platform to be, because there's so much negativity on social media, I wanted my platform not to really be about me. I wanted it to be about other people and recognizing them for what they're doing on their platforms to help inspire and motivate others. So that really uh, became the whole structure of how I wanted Oheadly Fitness to be. The workouts to me are obviously important and, and those are always going to be on there, but it's the recognition of people who are one, suffering the same struggles that I suffer and two, are using their platforms to help other people better themselves. And it became from my first follower, who was my wife, and 143,000 people later. Um, mm. it, it's it's an amazing and humbling accomplishment that I um, I cannot thank myself for. The support and the people, yourself included, um, has been astronomical, and it helps even more now. And all this stuff, ironically, kind of correlates together the mental illness and using fitness and yoga meditation to, to address it and then going on social media. So now I have a bigger platform to help address and, and recognize and discuss those issues and get my word out to, to a, a bevy of people, not only just nationally, but globally. Um, it's, it's, it's humbling and it's just been an experience that I, I can't, I can't even tell you um, how just enlightening it's been. Um, to, to do stuff mm. like this. I'm just so proud of you. The, the clarity that you have since that moment, um, it's almost like there's an, I can feel the energy of you opening your eyelids that morning and everything being different. And all the things that you did over the course of that morning, haircut, visit her, talk to her, you know, woo her, whatever you did, all of it comes together in this mosaic of healing. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head and it's just the the, be, the best gift that my mother ever gave me was the gift of life. And mm -hmm. our, our lives are always going to have ups and downs um, along the way. If life, if life was perfect, everybody would be rich, everybody would be married, and everybody would be happy. And it just doesn't work that way. It's just, it's, that's just not reality. And I had to learn that a setback 
is only the beginning of your comeback, if that makes any sense. And I look at my setbacks now and I use those as the motivation for me to make my comebacks. And the the platform that I use and, and the things that I'm discussing, most notably mental health when it comes to black men, which has been, it's a untapped resource as far as addressing these issues in, in the black community when it comes to men. And it, it wasn't until I realized myself that I had to, you know, deal with my challenges that there were other African-American men, and especially in society like we're living in today, that have these challenges and either one, they don't know it, or two, just because it can be in people's minds a sign of, a sign of weakness, we have to be able to address those issues and feel comfortable with who we are. and. That was the very first thing that I had to do. Like when the doctor told me that I had depression and anxiety, I had to be comfortable with that. I had to, to, to know that when I go to the bathroom, when I go on vacation, when I go to the gym, anxiety and depression is coming with me. I, I have to be comfortable in, in knowing that I have that, but I also have to know that with that comfort level, there has to be a everyday step one way to address that. And that's what I'm what I'm trying to help other people do. So if you let's say we have a listener right now who is exactly where you were that night, exactly where you were, just on the brink, ready to call in the whole thing and be done with this world. What's the first thing if you could sit down next to them? What's the first thing that you would say? If I could sit down next to a person that was where I was. I would say the three words that my wife said to me to kind of get me back on track. You are loved. And they may not see that at the exact moment, but they are loved. And it may not even be by someone that they know. They just need to know that there is always going to be a tomorrow and you are loved. And those three words, especially the word in the middle, is a powerful word. You, know, you is a powerful word because you means yourself and you need to always acknowledge and love yourself. And those would be the first three words that I said. And I would hope that those words would be as impactful as they were to me when I read that on that text message that, that night. Yeah. And uh, secondly, if that person said to you, you know what, I I feel that. Thank you very much. But I'm still kind of done with this whole enterprise. Is there anything that you could or would say, or does your heart speak at all in this moment to counter their wish? Or do you feel like, okay, it's, it's their right to leave and be done with this? Like, what's the point? Where's the line where you respect somebody's desire to end their life versus where you try and convince them that this is actually worth it? Well, for me, there is no line per se to, to just tell someone or, or show someone that their time on this planet it should come to an end. I, I, I don't um, have a line, but my counter would be when that person says, I hear what you're saying, I'm loved, you know, nice words, very impactful, but I still can't do it. The very first thing I would ask them to do is tell me what's wrong. You know, maybe you don't have someone to talk to. Maybe, maybe there's some things that are bottled up that you just probably need to, to get out before you decide you want to leave this, this earth and, and, and give back the gift that your mother gave you. What's the, what's wrong? You know, let's let's address it and maybe maybe it's something that may be monumental to you but it may be something that i can solve with a phone call or a text message or an email so that would be that would be my counter all the time there's always another way there's never not another way life is too precious to to give up on it uh just because there are some minor some major bumps in the road so my counter to that would be there's always another way yeah, that's beautiful. Since then, you've, uh, you know, you obviously got together with your woman. She's so beautiful oh, and sweet. Inside and outside. Oh my God. I feel. 
um, you have these two beautiful, beautiful babies. Thank you. Thank you. You create content almost every day. And I think the question that might be on our listener's mind right now, if he or she or they were to ask you a few questions, um, what is your relationship to social media and how do you keep it on the level that you clearly have it, which is this is a vehicle by which I'm able to offer nourishment to people who might be suffering and or enthused to work with me. How, how do you manage that relationship? The relationship with social media is, is kind of a love-hate one, but I would say 80% love and 20% hate. And I only use that word hate because that's what a, a lot of things that I've seen lately on social media. But my balance with it is that I, I manage my time. Nothing ever comes before before my family. And I manage my time. Um, I use the time that I would normally be working out on my own to just do the workout that I'm going to do that day. And I can either create create the workout um, the workout videos save them for later, you know, doctor them all up, whatever I need to do with music and stuff like that. And um, I could either shoot, hit send, or I can do them later. So basically how I manage it is just really understanding that although it's something that's important to me, it can't be the only thing that I do to, to not only occupy my time, but to get my messages out. It, it's it's a, a fighting force of, and, and it's huge of what I need to accomplish as far as some of the goals that I need to achieve. But I also have to remember that there are going to always be naysayers. There are always going to be people who are going to try to detract you from doing the things that you wanna do. So for me, managing it is very simple. It's really cool when you have a phone or or iPad or a laptop. When you don't want to do it, you can just put it down. You can take a break from it, and you can you can cleanse your soul and heal your mind. And and it's gonna be there when you you come back. And the people who truly support you, whether you post every day, you post once a month, or you post once a year, they're gonna be there to support you. And they and they're gonna understand that there are some times where although part of my life goal is to help others, I still have to take a step back and clear my head and help myself. So I, I manage it as a, a rolling business. Uh, it, it, it's a business where it doesn't have to be open every day, but when it's open, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I feel similarly about it. Yeah, I, I mean, and you being someone who has, you know, been in, in the face of social media for a long time, even before it became this thing that it was, I'm sure that you can relate to what I'm saying where you have those days where you just got to put all the stuff away and just really just decompress and remember why you're really here. Yeah. Well, that's the only way you actually have, I hate the word authentic, but I'm trying to find another one. That's the only way you have authentic content to share. Your real experience comes <laughs> when you're not actually sharing as well. Right. So I appreciate that explanation very much. So now let's go to this priority that you've placed on your family, which I really respect. And I would love to unpack that a little bit for our listener. When you say that they come first, can you talk to us about, I know this is so kind of corny, but I get asked it often and I always think it's funny and then I get into it. Um, what's a typical day in the life of my friend and brother Owen? Oh man, um, in, in all honesty, if, if somebody walked around and followed my family and I with a camera, you probably wouldn't get much content that you would want to put on TV and that people would watch. But, and I say that jokingly because it's a normal thing. It, it's, it's part of my release. Like a normal day in my house is really watching scooby-doo and sesame street with my five-year-old playing zombie with my with my five-year-old and now my eight my 19 month old who can walk and really just being a dad like the the, the one the one thing that i i love more than anything on this planet is being a father 
I, I love being a father. I love being a hands-on father. I'm not the stereotypical, well, when I come home from work, dinner better be on the table and the house better be clean. When I come home from work, I'm the one who likes to make the dinner, you know, most of the time. I like playing with the kids. I like cleaning the house. I just like being hands-on. You know, I, my, my wife, who's my superhero and the person I admire so much uh, during this crazy pandemic, works from home, takes care of our, our infant child, and had to make sure that my daughter, when school was virtual, was paying attention. And, and she's a superhero. So when I come home, I want to take those duties and those responsibilities and be a dad. So the, a day in the life in the Headley house, it, it's loud. I will tell you that it's very loud. <laughs> there, there's a lot of dancing. Like my, my daughters mm. and my wife and I love to dance. They, they actually dance mm. better than I do. Um, mm. And there, there's just a, there's a lot of love. There, there's, sometimes there's tough love, but there's a lot of love. There's a lot of laughing. It is, it, it is so engaging. Whereas if you were to walk into my house right now, my my wife would say to you, you know, have a seat, obviously, and then you'd say, hey, you know, would you mind if I had a drink of water? She'd be like, yep, the refrigerator's right there. Go get it. You'd just become family. That's just we're just right. an engaging, loving family, and we're corny, like a lot of families are, you know. And, and I, I'm probably the corniest one. I still like doing family dress ups for Halloween, where we all dressed in the same type of of genre. You know, it, it's just it's nonstop fun, and it's also nonstop learning. I'm learning mm -hmm. stuff from my children every day. I'm learning stuff from my wife every day on how to be not only just a better husband and a father, but just a better Owen. And living my life through their eyes sometimes is just so rewarding. Yeah, so beautiful. I feel like there's a world of the most simple yet most potent teaching just from you living your life. Yes. On a daily basis with so much intention and and you're just so thankful like you you almost lost it all and that's kind of where my heart is touched by listening to you and talking with you and we've done some small things together and I, every time i always walk away feeling like the the colors are a little brighter i appreciate that and, and it's it's people like you that give life its meaning to me and i say that very genuinely because when you look at life you know, people are always growing. You appreciate, you know, a person for the value that they add into your life. You appreciate a flower because you know that a flower one day is going to grow, but it's not going to be there. A stone is always going to be there. So I, I, I appreciate the things in my life that give not only just my life, but give life in general it's meaning and you are one of those people that that give my life and give the life of other people it's meaning and it, it, it's an inspiration to me and and so many i'm sure can say the same thing when i i watch mm -hmm. when i watch your your instagram lives and and cry with you like i'm in the room when you're shaving your hair because your friend is going through through cancer i felt like i'm in that moment i'm already bald-headed mm. but i tell you right now i would have shaved my head in in unison if i could be there and those are the things to me that that give me my meaning and make me feel good when the people that i know who add value to my life are adding value to other people's lives and that's just a beautiful thing to me Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Is uh, in closing, I have a few questions and every now and again, I ask them of my guests and sometimes I don't, but I want to ask these four questions of you because I think you'll really enjoy them and find them interesting and inspiring perhaps. The first is what is your favorite view? And this can be from within, without a place, a time. What's your favorite view? My favorite view is actually a place that I have not been to in a long time, but I, I still have a mental picture of it. Uh, there's a place in Beverly, Massachusetts. I used to live my very first apartment. Um, I was actually homeless for a while. And then my very first apartment was this one room where you shared the bathroom with like 40 people. And I was, I'm from New York City, originally from Queens, and I'm living in Massachusetts after college. And there was this beach called Dane Beach in, in Beverly, Massachusetts. And I would walk to this beach because it was only 
maybe a stone throws away from the building that I lived in. And they had this, it was like this little rock path where if you sat at the edge of it, you would be right over the ocean. And I would just stare at the boats go by and it was a lighthouse there. And it would just, it was a happy place for me. And it, um, it didn't make me as homesick as I was. It actually made me feel more comfortable being on my own and, and, and doing what I was doing to, to progress in life. So my favorite view would be the view from Dane Beach in, in Beverly, Massachusetts. And if I was an artist, I, I would, I would sketch it because it's just, it's nothing special. The, another person would look at him like, okay, it's a water boat and a lighthouse, like whatever. But for me, it was something that actually kept me, um, it, it, it kept me sane when I was, when I felt alone. Right. Such a, it's such a clear view for me. Thank you for being so descriptive. Um, the second is what's something in your world or in our world, shared world that needs healing right now? Wow. You got four hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, We've talked about this personally, you know, offline a lot. I know. Yes. I, I think we as a people need to listen. The, the very first thing, and I'm going to put probably a couple of things into one just big learning bubble. We need to listen uh, to people and we need to appreciate people, whether it be appreciating your fellow man or fellow woman, uh, appreciating someone because of their race and, and, and acknowledging their culture, appreciating someone for, for who they are, not for who they love. And in the past year and a half, I've, I've seen, and unfortunately from people that, that I've known, you know, 20, 30 years, I've seen the, the, the ills and ugliness of hate and racism really just rear its ugly head in ways that I only heard about in stories from my grandmother. And I feel like what needs to change is the mindset of, of people. I think a lot of people and, and you could agree with me or, or not, if you, if you so choose to, um, a lot of people really hate and are afraid of things that they either don't identify with or don't understand. Yeah. And one of the things that I had to teach myself was if I was going to truly understand and speak out against the, the, these hateful times and, you know, social acceptance and, and racism, Asian hate, we can go down the line. It's, it's everywhere. Unfortunately, I have to learn what that actual hate is. It's very easy to, to speak about how I feel about unity and love, but I have to understand the hate end of it as well. So I had to educate myself on some things that I felt were, were, I guess, quote unquote, hateful things. I had to read Mein Kampf by Adolf Hitler. You know, I had to read the Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx. I had to watch documentaries uh, about these people, whether it be Adolf Hitler or Charles Manson and then everybody in between. I had to learn what, what, what went on or went wrong in their lives that led them to be the, the people who, when we talk about faces of evil and hate, they become those faces. And I had to learn about that in order to be able to, 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 to speak out against it and to have healthy conversation about it. I had to really understand it. And right. I think that is one of the biggest things that the world needs to change. The world needs to start listening learning and working towards understanding the stuff that they don't know. The idea of learning the background of the people who have been the most destructive in our history and seeing where they suffered, why they became what they became, is something that no one else has ever said here. And I really appreciate that, that you brought that out. And I do, I do agree with you. I think that if more time were spent sort of understanding the source of pathologies, the world would be probably a much better place. I agree, 100%. Yeah. And last one, it's only three questions. I don't know why, for some reason, I said four. You said four before by mistake, too. Yeah, I know. Both of us. That's so, it's so weird. <laughs> maybe that maybe that's a hint to my wife that I want two more. 
Listen, I'm all for it. Your babies are beautiful. Thank you. Um, gosh. The, the third question and final question, really. What does prayer mean to you? That's a great, great question. Um, it means a lot of different things. I, I think that the the normal thought process as to what prayer is, is, you know, being over your bed on your hands and knees and saying your prayers to, to, to the man upstairs. So to me, it's not just that. That's a small part of it. I think prayer is also something that can be mental. I feel like we pray every day. We, we may not say, I pray for so-and-so, but I, I think that prayer is also just acknowledgement of people's well-being. You know, I feel like if you send me a text message saying or a phone, shoot me a phone call saying, hey, how are you doing? That makes me feel like, you know, I'm, I'm in your thoughts. I'm in your quote unquote prayers and, and I'm a priority in your life. So I think prayer is, is also priority, prioritizing the things that you feel are important. And, and making, especially when it comes to people, making those people feel important, feel needed and feel wanted. And prayer is also something that's emotional. You know, I think that when it comes to my relationship with my wife, I, I think that that is a prayer. It, it's a very emotional, sentimental feeling. It's not words. It, it, it's not kneeling on, on my hands or anything like that. It's just an energy. Prayer is also energy. It's an energy that that you feel towards someone that nobody can really understand. You probably can't even explain it yourself, but it's just there. So mm -hmm. I feel like praying most of the time, obviously we do have our regular prayers, but I think praying is, it's an energy. I'm a, yes. I'm a, I'm a Star Wars buff, so please forgive the analogy. Hey, like me too. <laughs> All I'm, of us. Oh my God, that's so funny. Yeah, I'm a huge Star Wars geek. Like, I have huge. no idea. And I always compare like praying to like the force. <laughs> yes. And and that's what it is. Praying is the force. It surrounds us. Yes. It binds us and it holds the universe together. Dude. First of all, you need to talk to my son's father, Anthony. We are such Star Wars freaks. <laughs> Beyond. Yes, I, I'm really, all, really, really Star Wars geek. Really. I love, love. And we're actually right around the same age, so that makes sense. But but the coolest, there are two things, three things I want to point out what you just said. One is the prayer being the sort of prioritizing of somebody and reaching out to them, that the concept of that outreach, a phone call, a text, an email, whatever, as a prayer, what a beautiful way to think about this. That's Thank one. you. My God. Two, prayer as obviously the energy that surrounds us and then to get more refined the force with a capital f wow like thank you for that i'm i'm never not going to think of it like this anymore thank you yeah it's the force it surrounds us it's binds us and holds the universe together <laughs> jesus i want to i want to thank you so much the the sweet um what do i want to say knowing you is like a sweet remembrance of the best parts of humanity's potential. Thank you. I, yeah. I, I appreciate that. And I, I want to say to you, um, if I can, just in closing, um, mm. thank you, uh, for taking the time to, to reach out to me that day and call me. I, I will tell you that I knew who you were before you knew who I was for obvious reasons. And, when I, when I heard your name, I had this, this glow about me. And when, when we, when we spoke, it, it wasn't like, wow, Anna Bra was calling me. It was like, oh, it's my homegirl calling me. Like we, we <laughs> talked on the phone, like we knew each other for years and you supported me through my, my certification classes and, yes. and just so many other things. And, um, um, I'm grateful for it. And, and not to mention that you've also supported my, my badass yogi campaign. And yes, it, sir. It, it means a lot to me to have to have a friend like you in my life. And it's something again, that, that even though we're, we're on opposite sides of the country, we were always going to, to be together in love. Yes. Yes. It's so true. 
Let's close with just a quick description of your badass yogi campaign, because I do feel that that has reached far and wide. And I think it's important for folks to understand the point of that. What's your intent? Well, the, the reason why I um, started it was during my my 200 hour uh, course, uh, it was myself, my instructor and, and two other um, people who have become like a brother and sister to me. And one day we were just talking. I'm like, you guys are a bunch of badasses. And we were just joking around. So one day I was online and I just typed in the word badass yogi. And I saw the shirt. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to ask them their sizes. I'm a t-shirt fanatic. Love t-shirts. I have thousands of them. And I was like, you know what? I'm I'm going to um, send them these shirts. So it started out with myself buying one and sending it to my instructor and to um, my two fellow um, classmates. And then I thought about it for a minute and I was like, you know what? This old Headley fitness thing is really cool. And it's really great to recognize people for the things that they're doing. And, and that's a, that's a beautiful thing, but what can I do from a personal perspective just to say, thank you for, for not only inspiring me, but just thank you for being you. So I started to go back in, in time and, and look at the people who have supported me from day one when I started my Instagram page up until, you know, the last person that clicked follow. And there were, there was a ton of people that I can go back and look at who, who did that and help inspire me. And, and, you know, when, when I don't want to work out, you know, what would this person do? Or if I'm doing yoga, would this person think this was safe? So I started reaching out to people and I started saying to them, Hey, you know what? I'm starting this thing called the badass yoga travel and I want you to be in it. And the very first thing, you know, was asked was like, yeah, you know, that's cool. What's the premise of it? You're like, what do you, what I need to do? I just need your t-shirt size and I need your address. If you don't feel comfortable giving me your address, I can give you the link to buy the shirt and I'll send you the money. I don't want money for it because this is my way of saying thank you for inspiring me. So 95 people later, we have a, a global community of, of people who are wearing these shirts. And it's not only just people who are into yoga. So the badass yogi thing means uh, it, it's a universal thing. Yoga to me, um, out of any other type of, of fitness and, and um, just any kind of, uh, of bodily um, improvement, of self-improvement, it's universal. Yoga doesn't care if you're black. Yoga doesn't care if you're gay. Yoga doesn't care if you're big. Yoga doesn't care if you're small. Yoga could care less if you're transgender. Yoga doesn't even really care about anything except for the fact that yoga is just trying to help you be a better you. So the reason why I chose yogi was because yoga is universal and it brings so many people of different races and different types of life um, together. And I just started sending the shirts out and the shirts are free. Um, it's people who inspire me. And we've we've gone as as far as New Mexico to you all the way out to Canada, to India, to Italy. Uh, it, it's just been it's been a, a fun thing and it's something I'm very passionate about. And people might sit there and ask, why, why do you send out these free shirts? Don't they cost money? And I, I guess the only uh, answer I would have to that is why not? And what I love about it the most is that it really actually reflects what you've just said. There is no boundary. Anyone, you're welcoming anyone who reaches out to you. It's such a reflection of your commitment to sort of unity and solidarity it's so sweet thank you and it, it's it's very important to me and, and in all honesty it, it makes me happy when i see a person wear that shirt and wear it with pride and yes. and you know to think that a total stranger would send you a shirt just because he appreciates what you do if that mm -hmm. makes a person happy for five minutes then i think it's worth it totally totally I want to thank you uh, for your commitment to other people. I want to thank you for your commitment to your family. I want to thank you for your commitment to the practices of yoga, to healing our bodies, to strengthening our bodies. Every aspect of what you do is felt and seen and really, truly appreciated, Owen. Thank you. 
Thank you so much, Lena. I appreciate being here and I love you very much. And Same. please, please give my best uh, to your beautiful family. And I, will. I know I will we will talk soon, my friend. <laughs> For sure. Anything you need, I'm right here. Thank you. You as well. Bye, my sweet. Bye, hon. Thank you, AG1, for sponsoring the Practice You podcast. My listener, you've been hearing me talk about AG1 for some time. I think I've been taking it daily for almost three years. 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens in one scoop in the morning. The best way to start your day supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and longevity, the conversation of the moment. The taste is delicious. It's suitable whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar. No nonsense in here at all. It's a multivitamin that your body will actually absorb. If you are wanting to make an investment in your health and longevity, AG1 costs you less than $3 a day, far less expensive, and definitely less time-consuming than many different supplements. Reclaim your health, arm your immune system with convenient, delicious daily nutrition. And since you listen to the Practice You podcast, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-boosting vitamin D and 5 free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com forward slash Elena. Once again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash E-L-E-N-A. Take ownership of your health, my listener. And thank you, Athletic Greens and AG1.